0: Our scripture this morning comes from the Gospel of Mark. We're in chapter 14. We're going to begin in verse 12, and we'll go through verse 26 this morning. You can find it. If you didn't bring a Bible with you, there's a Pew Bible there. Uh, We encourage you to follow along and read with us. It's on page 1011 in your Pew Bible. Again, that's Mark chapter 14, beginning in verse 12. As great as that praise music was, hearing pages turn in a Bible is the sweetest music to your pastor's ears. I'm just going to tell you. There it's written. And on the first day of unleavened bread, when they sacrificed the Passover lamb, his disciples said to him, where will you have us go and prepare for you to eat the Passover? And he sent two of his disciples and said to them, go into the city. A man carrying a jar of water will meet you. Follow him. And wherever he enters, say to the master of the house, the teacher says, where is my guest room? Where I may eat the Passover with my disciples. And he will show you a large upper room furnished and ready. There prepare for us. And the disciples set out and went to the city and found it just as he had told them, and they prepared the Passover. And when it was evening, he came with the twelve, and as they were reclining at table and eating, Jesus said, Truly I say to you, one of you will betray me, one who is eating with me. They began to be sorrowful and say to him one after another, Is it I? He answered answered and said to them, It is one of the twelve. One who is dipping bread into the dish with me for the son of man goes as it is written of him. But woe to that man by whom the son of man is betrayed. It would have been better for that man if he had not been born. And as they were eating, he took bread and after a blessing, it broke blessing it, broke it and gave it to them, saying, take this is my body. And he took a cup and when he had given thanks, he gave it to them and they all drank of it. And he said to them, This is my blood of the covenant, which is poured out for many. Truly I say to you, I will not drink again of the fruit of the vine until that day when I drink it new in the kingdom of God. And when they had sung a hymn, they went out to the Mount of Olives. Here ends the reading of God's holy word. If you would please join me in prayer. O holy God, May the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts be acceptable in your sight, O God, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. So we're here celebrating Advent. We're, we're nearing Christmas with all the celebrations going on, the gatherings that will happen and today is, is the candle of love. And, and I think it's beautiful that we ended up here in Mark on this Sunday in which for us who we gather around this table every week and we celebrate the love of God found in Christ Jesus, along with proclaiming him as our resurrected Lord and declaring that he will come again. It's a, it's a beautiful moment for us to be here. The Lord's Supper to us is not unfamiliar. We gather around this table every Sunday when we worship. In fact, our worship often feels incomplete if we're not gathered at the table. And so, I'm afraid to ask because I'm afraid of the answer. I think we can just skip over the sermon today, right? We're familiar with the table. We're familiar with the words. But I'm not going to ask for a show of hands. My wife raised her hand early. I'm not going to ask for a show of hands for those that are ready to move on. For you see, it's when we gather around this table and we gather with our brothers and sisters in Christ and we hear the words of institution that are poured out on that table. Here we go. Can we switch over mics? Are we good? There we go. And so it's when we gather at this table and we... And, and we hear the words of institution as they uh, gather around us, and we gather with our brothers and sisters in Christ, it's there in that moment when we participate in this beautiful parable Christ has set before us. Right. Are we, I think that both mics are on, maybe, and they're picking each other up. No? OK. Something's going on. There we go. All right. My eyes are bad. My hearing's fine. <laughs> <laughs> oh. Right? The handheld is the one we're going from. No. I'm sorry, what? close hey it's really hard working in a sound booth at a church it really is Um, and especially dealing with a band and uh, a mercurial pastor like myself Um, so uh, jc and elsa do a wonderful job up there and yes And most mistakes, as my wife will attest to, are also my fault. So, But we gather around this table, and, and we gather and we get to participate in this beautiful parable uh, of grace and love that is shared with us in our lives. And so we, we get in our scripture today, and Jesus goes... And answers the question where they're going to have the Passover. So they've been in Jerusalem, or they've been staying in Bethany, but he's been going back and forth to Jerusalem. It's the big festival of the Passover. There's lots going on that week, and now comes time for the big meal, the big meal before the Sabbath, in which they gather and they remember the Passover, and they say, "Where are we going to have it, Jesus?" And instead of just telling them the address of the house, Jesus does Jesus things, and says you'll find a man carrying a jug of water what are the chances in jerusalem on the day of the passover feast there's more than one man carrying a jug of water right so they have to not only find a man carrying a jug of water they have to find the right one and then go to the house and prepare it there for them and 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 they do, but Jesus could make things a bit easier by giving us the address, right? Just in our own lives, it it seems like we, if he just gives us the address of where to go, we ourselves could make a better decision on how to get there, or so we think, right? But that's where we will often go winding down our own paths where Jesus keeps pulling us back on to the direction he told us to. But here they are, and, and they find the place where they're to to have the Passover in an upper room. And 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 it says they're there, they're reclining at the table, so it's a very relaxed atmosphere. Remember, the Passover is the big celebration. And so as they're gathered around this table, Jesus decides, you know what this party needs right now? A real downer of a moment. One of you is going to betray me. And it says they were all of a sudden sorrowful. This celebration and Jesus says, one of you is going to betray me. And, and they all wonder because Jesus knows something they don't. Is it I, Lord? Is it I? They keep going around it. Is it me? It can't be me. Is it me? But we all know. We know what Jesus knows. We know because we, we have the word in front of us telling us. And we know that Judas knows as well. And so when Jesus says, one of you will betray me, his heart had to start pounding, start racing, the anxiety filled the room. How does he know? I thought this was done in secret. I, I made a deal behind closed doors. Who is the leak telling Jesus that there's a plan to betray him? Because it's all supposed to be done in secret, remember? It's not supposed to be done out in the open where everyone can see and people know about it. Jesus isn't supposed to know that it's coming his way, but he does. And then he tells all of the disciples, he says, it would be better for that man if he had not been born that has to hurt. In fact, it's something we know that Judas himself would wrestle with the remainder of his short life after betraying Jesus. That he would come to a moment in which he regretted betraying Jesus, so much so he tried to pay back the money he received for betraying Jesus. And he couldn't do it. He couldn't live with the shame and the guilt that of betraying an innocent man and betraying the Messiah that he would end up taking his own life. So that's how Jesus starts off this party. And then he goes because he's the host and they're at the Passover meal. And the host of the Passover meal is the one who explains all of the food on the table because it's a meal of remembrance. The Passover was this great celebration. Yes, because they've been delivered from captivity in Egypt. But it's also a meal of remembrance, of remembering of where they were in captivity and remembering of what God did to deliver them. And so they have food on the table instructed by God. We can find in the Old Testament exactly what would be on the table. And there would be bitter herbs on the table. And and Jesus, as the host, would say these bitter herbs a representative of the bitter slavery we endured in Egypt. The stewed fruit, with its consistency and its color, recalls the memories of the bricks that they were forced to make for Pharaoh. And there in the center of all the tables was the lamb. The lamb that was slaughtered because they, as they were told by Moses to go out and, and slaughter a, a lamb with no blemishes and take its blood and, and rub it on your doorpost because there is a death angel coming and it will pass over the homes covered by the blood of the lamb and those that are not covered by the blood of the lamb, it will destroy their firstborn. Jesus recalls and tells of their deliverance, of of their salvation. And then he picks up the bread, the unleavened bread, reminding them not only of their time in the wilderness, but also reminding them of how God provides. He blesses it and breaks it, and it gives it to them. And he says, this is my body. And then he takes the cup, gives thanks for it, passes it around. They all drink from it. And he said, this is my blood of the covenant poured out for many. Truly, I say to you, I will not drink from the fruit of the vine again until I drink it new in the kingdom of God. And so today, as we near celebrating the birth of Jesus, his incarnation of, of being with us, I want to take a moment for us to pause, to reflect on these words Jesus says about this meal we come to gather and eat of every time we worship. You now he begins by saying this is my body and to begin with i want to i want to start right from the top and say that jesus is not saying that the bread is literally his body remember they're at the passover feast the the Roman Catholic Church gets their teaching that this is his body because they they come from the Latin Bible, which is called the Vulgate. And there he says, this is my body. And they use the scripture in John 6 to tell, to, to interpret and say that this is Jesus's real body that we are eating. However, Paul, John 6 doesn't speak specifically to communion. Rather, Paul, when he writes to the Corinthians, he helps interpret the, the meal for us and tells us that this is a meal of remembrance, a meal with symbolizing the great things God has done through Christ. And in fact, we can tell from the meal itself, it's the Passover meal. Jesus is going around as the host explaining the bitter herbs are not actually the bitter slavery they endured in Egypt, but rather represented and recall the memories of it. The stewed fruit are not actually the bricks that they made for Pharaoh, but rather they represent and resemble and recall the memory of what they made. So when he says, this is my body, and he institutes this supper for us, it's not so that we come and eat Jesus' literal body, but so that we recall and we remember the very life of Jesus Christ. For it was at the incarnation in the city of Bethlehem, which is the city of bread, that Jesus, who is the bread of life, would come and be born. And he would live a sinless life demonstrating to the world in his body. And then he would go to the cross and bear our sins in that body. And then he would triumph over the grave in his resurrection. And we, we, when we hold on to this bread and we eat of it, we enjoy the life of Christ that he gave for us. It's a joy to eat of this bread. And we announce to the world that our life, is found in Jesus. And not only do we announce to the world that our life is found in Jesus, but we invite all who are hungry to come. We will show you where life is found. And then Jesus takes the cup. Tells us he he gives thanks for it and he passes it around and he said, this is my blood of the covenant poured out for many? Now we drink grape juice here, and we and we have the temperance movement in the United States to thank for that. Churches at one time only had wine until the temperance movement came along, and and grape juice was was made specifically for the purpose of communion. And so we're able to have it at communion. But in Jesus's table, there's wine in the cup, a red wine. And, and the red redness of this wine symbolizes the atoning blood of Christ. The blood he would shed on the cross. And he, that's why he says, this is my blood of the covenant which is poured out for many. And when he says, which is poured out for many, he, he takes us back to the prophet Isaiah, which which they're familiar with the prophet Isaiah. In Isaiah chapter 53, which is a messianic prophecy. And, and when you go through and you read it and, and you see everything in Isaiah 53 points exactly to Jesus. And when he says, which is poured out for many, he alludes to verse 12, which Says, because he, the Messiah, poured out his soul to death and was numbered with the transgressors, yet he bore the sin of many and makes intercession for the transgressors. Jesus' blood was poured out for the forgiveness of sins. You see, before Jesus came along, before he was born, uh, God's people lived under. Uh, what we call the Old Covenant, which is the law. And the law was given so that people knew what it meant to be in right relationship with God, how to live and, and to be with God. And yet man failed every time. We constantly sinned and rebelled against the law of God. Nobody was perfect. The scriptures tell us nobody could keep the law perfectly. We all fell short of the glory. And so this old law that was given at Sinai to Moses, the commandments that were there, when it was given, it was sealed with the shedding blood of a sacrifice. And So when Jesus gathers at the table and says, this is my blood of the covenant, he seals the new covenant with his blood, where women and men and children will be saved by resting their faith in Christ, in Christ alone. And it's at this table on that Passover. Jesus and his disciples gathered round, and in the middle is that lamb, the lamb that was slain in remembrance of their salvation from Egypt. When Jesus declares, this is my blood of the covenant which is poured out for many, he announces plainly and clearly to the disciples and to the world that he is the Lamb of God who has come to take away the sins of the world. So when we gather, we remember. We remember who we are in our sin and remember who we have been born into in Jesus. So when we hold the bread and the cup, and we eat and drink together, we proclaim that apart from the redemptive blood of Christ, we are eternally separated from God. We proclaim that we believe in the death and the resurrection and the ascension and the coming again of Jesus. And we announce in our own hearts and to the world that our only hope in life or in death is only found in Jesus. Amen. As we prepare to come to the Lord's table, there is a pastor 500 years ago by the name of John Calvin. And he spoke to his congregation, to the people that he shepherded. And he told them, what we have when we come to this table is we get to hold on to the very symbol of our redemption, of our part in the life of Christ. Which for us, it means this, that when we hold on to this bread and cup, We celebrate this meal together. We have the assurance that yes, your sins are truly forgiven. Let us pray.